1: Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, and that's right, we are Wagering Week. You can check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, all of the social media. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. And it's hashtag S G N eight five five the number four G A R T E N iTunes iHeartRadio any of our fine syndicated affiliates guys we have a lot to talk about today uh, look I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys after the Super Bowl so we'll touch on that briefly but I don't really want to go way too into that touch on the quarterbacks and what situation we have with the the new quarterbacks and where they might go where they might land we'll touch on that if we have time for a little college basketball a little NBA we also have David Danzies coming on uh, David uh, listen he's now part of a brand new venture, but he's still doing the same thing, writing about the Atlantic City gambling scene. We're going to talk to him. How did the Super Bowl treat Atlantic City and New Jersey as a whole? I know every time David comes on, uh, we get some shocking news, so we'll hear about that. And I want to lead us off today. um, Before we go back into, you know, the Super Bowl and everything, I, I want to lead us off today and tell you I found something huge in Major League Baseball. I found it massive. We will get to that later on in the show. Real quick about the Super Bowl. Number one, let me get this off my chest. Let me just uh, flip out a little bit here. The guy that ran on the field, uh, Kevin Arlen, was like, pull your pants up. That guy? Yeah, he didn't make those bets. Can we stop with the nonsense that this guy made those bets? Enough. He didn't make them. First of all, the guy said, oh, you know, I, I had somebody go down to Las Vegas and put a bet in for me. That's not a that's not a thing. That's not a thing. There, no sports book in Las Vegas is offering. Would you run onto the field? If somebody's gonna run onto the field. That's it, not a thing. So his other out. Okay, first of all, you caught in a lie, buddy. Number one, moron. Okay, now your your secondary. Well, it was an offshore thing. Was it really? So how many offshores? Because on weird prop exotic bets like that, it's usually about a hundred or two hundred dollar limit. So. How much did you do? Uh, Oh, oh, you had to get about, what, 500 friends together? All open up brand new accounts? And if you open up 500 brand new accounts across the term, you don't think that these guys talk to each other and they all see everyone's going in on yes on one single weird exotic prop bet? So that's BS too. I call BS twice. Now, the final nail in the coffin, okay? Literally, uh, forget that, not even nail in the coffin. How about the concrete around the ankles? If you were going to some dude, hey, listen, a guy on the corner over here. What do you want to make a bet? You're going to run on just If you had that guy, right? And you wanted to go to your corner local dude for this kind of exotic bet, right? Oh, God. And he found out you were the one who ran on the field? First of all, you're not getting paid, moron. Second of all, come on. Let's be honest. That didn't happen. So this guy didn't make the bet. Stop giving him attention. Stop right there. That's number one. I had to get that off my chest. I, I, I had to. And the good thing is, and I put this out on Twitter, by the way. Uh, the good thing is this, is that everybody in the sports betting community has rallied together, and and we're all in on this one right i have problems with other handicappers other handicappers have problems with me um we we all kind of are fighting for the same kind of coin here and people just overly handicappers generally don't get along i see arguments and fights i kind of get along with everybody but you know people have arguments everybody in the community the sports betting community everybody's going yeah that guy's that guy's full of it (laughs) Everybody's saying it, man. <laughs> and take it, look, take it for everyone's word, right? We are the experts. It didn't happen. Now, as far as the Super Bowl itself, just a quick little recap here, because uh, I don't really like to go back. We always like to talk forward. A little quick little recap. Uh, Tom Brady's a goat. Uh, there's no question about that, of course. But let's talk about Patrick Mahomes now. The guy's been to three AFC Championship games. He's only walked away with one Super Bowl. I like Patrick Mahomes. You guys heard me gushingly talk about him. But it seems like the over defense now, oh my God, what a great game he had, because he threw it like he was throwing a nerf ball, diving into a pool. That doesn't mean you're having a great game. He had seventy five yards passing midway through the third quarter. Now, did his receivers give him problems? Sure, they dropped a couple of passes, including Tyreek Hill, who by the way led the NFL in drops this year. Uh couldn't happen in a nicer scumbag. So yeah, that helped. Uh, was the offensive line a disaster? Of course, he got pressured more than anybody else in his Super Bowl history. So yes, of course that was an impact. But don't tell me he played well. You can tell me, look, the guy didn't play great, um, you know, or, or you could say, yeah, you know what, it was the offensive line. Give me all the excuses you, you you can. Don't tell me he played well. Patrick Mahomes didn't play well. I didn't play well in last year's Super Bowl. I didn't play well in the AFC Championship game. Here you know, before that, I mean, there are times when Patrick Mahomes is allowed to not play well. Going into next season, do I think it gives him fuel? Sure, I do. Do I think Kansas City's gonna be back in the same position? More than likely, yeah. They're the Super Bowl betting odds on favorite at six to one right now. Green Bay's number two at nine to one. Tampa Bay comes in ten to one. They opened up at twelve to one. And you got a bunch of teams at, at uh, about twelve to one right after that. The Rams and their brand new quarterback and Matthew Stafford comes in next. So you know, if I'm making a bet today, I'm not betting on 6-1 to one Kansas City because I think it's a pretty stacked AFC. But uh, if you're asking me who's going back to the Super Bowl next year, I'm going Kansas City. they still got Mahomes. Mahomes is a, still a fantastic, fantastic player. Still got that offense. And, yeah, I think it's Kansas City. But on the other side, you know what? It's going to be very difficult to convince me that's not going to be Tampa Bay. Now, I'm not ready to jump on the bandwagon where everyone's sitting back and telling me that uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to be better than they were. Uh, because let's just be honest. There are a lot of question marks out there, and the question marks that are out there are, is Godwin coming back? Is Fournette coming back? Sure, you're going to get O.J. Howard back. Does that mean Cameron Brait isn't, isn't going to be a big part of it? Gronk said he's coming back. That's great. Is and Sue coming back? So you have a lot of question marks, but as of right now, I look up and down the NFC, and I see... Aaron Rodgers, who can't win anything. I mean, look, the, the guy crushes and, and uh, just destroys the regular season and gets into the playoffs and gets blown over by a feather. He's, he's the softest quarterback maybe I've ever seen. Choke artist galore. <coughs> Aaron Rodgers, right? There's nobody in the NFC East. We know that. Unless Dak Prescott comes back and just rejuvenates that team. Yeah, you could take a stab maybe on them, but look, uh, there's still some problems there in Dallas, so I don't like any of that. Philadelphia's a mess, we know that. Washington Giants, nope. You go through Minnesota, come on, Detroit's not even a question mark. The Bears, maybe if they get Watson, but that's that. And then look at Brady's own division. New Orleans has to take a step back without Drew Brees. I don't know what they're going to look like. Carolina's an up-and-coming team not quite ready. Atlanta looks like they're a mess. And then you got everybody in the West, and everybody in the West thinks they have a chance. Arizona, well, let Clingsbury win a little bit before we give give them anything. Russell Wilson's complaining he wants out of Seattle. The Rams, well, you got a shiny new tie in Matt Stafford, but you got an old offensive line, and let's see you do it. And then you got San Francisco, who I think is going to be a player in this thing. But again, I'm not sure about Jimmy G, and if is it going to be Jimmy G. So, if you're asking me today, right, who do I think is getting the Super Bowl next year? I mean... How do we rule out Tampa Bay and Kansas City? But it's a long off season, and we're going to see. Which brings me now to the quarterback carousel that I did want to discuss. We already mentioned Matthew Stafford. Briefly, look, I'm not going to go deep into the trade. I'm just going to say that I think it's kind of crazy that now all of a sudden that the Rams are the fourth best team, according to odds-wise, Right. I think the Rams are a good team. I think Cam Akers is going to be better. I like Woods. I like Cup. I like Jefferson. I like that team. But... Uh, Whitworth is their number one offensive lineman. He, he's going to be entering a phase where I don't know if he's coming back. I, I'd be surprised if he does. Okay, And if he does, I don't know how effective he can be. The defense is good. I think they were overrated this year. I think they played above their heads in a lot of cases this year. Matthew Stafford, I don't know what he's going to be like. I don't know if he can stay healthy. The guy never really does. He plays through injuries. Well, playing through injuries is great, but you know, he he got to stay healthy. So I think the Rams will be good. They're also in a stacked division there. There, So the Stafford deal, I mean, it is a deal that you had to make, but it also puts a bullseye on your back and says you have to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. That's what the Rams are. Here you go, McVay. You got to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. Then you look at some of these other guys. Carson Wentz been rumored all week. He's definitely going to the Bears. Bears are going there. Oh, people are offering one, two and three. And then people started calling out Philly's BS. And you go, who's, who's floating these rumors, right? Where are all these rumors coming from that the Colts are eminent, the Bears are eminent? And then you talk to people from the Bears and the Colts, like, yeah, the asking price is ridiculous. We're not even close. I don't know what this guy's talking about. And you, you pull back and you say, oh, oh, is that right? Hold on a second, right? And, and you kind of get that interesting pullback and saying, what, wait a minute, uh, who's floating this? Oh, Who would be floating Carson Wentz? Well, the Eagles. Or maybe Carson Wentz's uh, agent, potentially. But it's not coming from the Bears in Indy. If he goes to the Chicago Bears for the deal that I heard being offered, which is a first-round pick this year, Nick Foles and Tariq Cohen, I am all aboard the Carson Wentz train. I still think Carson Wentz is a very talented quarterback. I worry about the injuries, of course, and he's overpaid with those injuries. But I think it's worth the gamble. What you're giving up is Nick Foles garbage, J- just garbage, okay? Uh, for the Chicago Bears, he's not a starter. You're giving up a backup quarterback that can only cause problems. Go back where they built a monument in front of you. Go, go ahead. See you later, Nick Foles. Out of town. Don't mind. Tariq Cohen, look, I like him. He's a little gadgety, little player. I like him, but he just missed the entire year last year, and the Bears still made the playoffs. You can get by without him, and I liked what I watched in David Montgomery. So, Carson Wentz, basically, for a first-round draft pick. And at the first-round draft pick, when the Bears are selecting into the 20s, uh, you look at who's going to be that guy. Who's going to be the the guy that who they're going to go out and draft? Are they going to reach for a Mac Jones? Who do you want, Mac Jones or Carson Wentz? I want Carson Wentz. Kyle Trask, are they going to reach for that? Are they going to say, you know what, we'll wait till the second round. Oh, you know what, we'll go get a, a, a stopgap guy like an Andy Dalton. I'll take the chance on Carson Wentz. And for the... Colts it's kind of the same thing look Carson Wentz played behind an absolute sieve of an offensive line well with the Colts he's got a tremendous offensive line so I think Carson Wentz is going to work wherever he goes if he goes and I'm not fully convinced he goes how about Deshaun Watson well Deshaun Watson I mean that's the prize what I'm hearing is that it will be a Herschel Walker type return and now I'm actually hearing that you get J.J. Watt in the deal but with J.J. Watt, you're also going to have to take on that contract. So it's going to have to go to somebody that's got a lot, I mean, a lot of cap room. Now, I think that eliminates the Bears. Everyone's still talking about the Colts. It's not happening in division. You start to do- go through it, and you go, oh, San Francisco. Well, that makes sense. San Francisco, San Francisco, San Francisco. That's what you hear, and you go, oh, the Watt brothers playing together. It's romantic. It's exciting. I put San Francisco. San Francisco gets Watson and Watt tomorrow. They're the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC. San Fran doesn't have that much cap room, guys. They really don't. I mean, you'd have to jettison Jimmy G, I understand that, but they just don't have that kind of cap room. And and I don't see that being a reality. New England makes the most sense. And Bill goes, wait a minute, I get Watt and I get Watson? Well, that's great. The problem is New England doesn't usually overpay, and New England would have to massively overpay here. I also hear that Houston wants him in the NFC instead of the AFC, so he doesn't have to face them all the time. I just don't see Watson getting done. It would be very interesting if he went to Bill. Very interesting if Watt was there with him. But I just don't see New England getting that done. I don't see Watson going anywhere. Which brings me to Russell Wilson. And the conversation all week has been about Russell Wilson and what he is and Russell Wilson and and what the situation is with Russ. Look, Russell Wilson has a reason to complain. You guys know I've liked Russell Wilson. I was in the stadium when he played Florida State against North Carolina State when he was a North Carolina State uh, Wolfpack. What do you call it, Wolfpacker? Well, I mean, I don't know what you would call it. When he was part of North Carolina State Wolfpack instead of the Badgers. And I watched him drive down the field at the end as a big underdog, dive into the end zone, single-handedly win that game. And I turned around to my wife at the time, uh, who was my girlfriend at the time, and I said, this might be one of the best players I've ever seen. I, I mean, it was just phenomenal. I've seen Luke Keekley uh, live in person, which only... I thought Luke Kuechly was the best player I've ever seen. That's the only reason why I, I said one of the best with Russell Wilson here. But Russ has a lot of reason to be a little angry, right? Seattle Seahawks rank in pass block grade during Russell Wilson's career. We're going to go back to 2012, right? Remember, rank in pass block grade: 1930, 2530, dead last, 30, 1830, 20. Five seasons with a bottom three offensive line. Five seasons. Seasons with an offensive line in the top half of the league in pass blocking. Patrick Mahomes, all three of his seasons, he's at a top half of the league in pass blocking offensive line. Aaron Rodgers, everyone says, Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't have a good offensive line. Well, 12 of the 13 years of his career, he had a top half of the league offensive line. Russell Wilson, zero. His offensive line blocking has never been in the top half of the league. Russell Wilson has been pressured on 2,357 dropbacks since he entered the league, 215 more than any other quarterback. After nine NFL seasons, Russell Wilson has been sacked 394 times, 47 the last season, 47. He has a lot of reason to be angry. He has a lot of reason to voice his displeasure. And he's to Russell Wilson's credit, because he is a gentleman, he really hasn't done it. It's been his camp to kind of do it. And I don't think this is Russell's way of asking out. I really don't. I think this is Russell's way of saying, guys, we have a Super Bowl caliber team, man. Get me an offensive line and watch what I could do with Metcalf and Lockett. Watch what I can go out in here and do. I think that's what Russell Wilson truly believes. And this is his way of kind of saying, go out there and do it. With all that said, it, it may have run its course in Seattle. Now, I don't think it's going to be this year. I don't. I truly don't. But it may have run its course in Seattle. Pete Carroll is is getting up there in age. He doesn't look like it. the team is doing well, but Maybe. And someone's going to come calling to Russell Wilson. There's a lot of teams that believe they're a Russell Wilson away. And there's a lot of people that are looking at Deshaun Watson in the same way that they're looking at Russell Wilson, where I'm one player away. One guy away from Super Bowl and maybe multiple. I mean, that's how good these two players are. We're watching a lot of movement with high profile, highly paid quarterbacks. We're watching a lot of speculation. So, If this was five years ago, there's no way that high-profile, high-paid, no-way, sure-fire, this-is-your-franchise guy is going anywhere. This didn't happen years ago. Well, we're in a new generation, aren't we? We're in a generation where you, you better do it now or don't do it at all. 365 days ago, Bill Belichick was still a genius. Now, all of a sudden, it's completely Tom Brady's team. I mean, that's just the way that you guys are discussing it, right? This is the way that things go in the NFL. You give Bill Belichick Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson, you're going to watch a different kind of thing happen. I don't believe that Seattle is willing to get rid of Russell Wilson at this point. They're still a playoff caliber team. They're still a team that, with a tweak here or there, very easily could be in the Super Bowl. There's still a team where Russell Wilson is not only the face of that franchise, he's the face of that city. There's nobody on the Mariners that's the face of that city, right? So it's going to be very difficult to get rid of Russell Wilson. You turn around to looking at the Houston, and you talk about a J.J. Watt who's been the face of that city, and they're, they're kind of having a hard time with him, and his play has decreased. Russell Wilson was an MVP two years running for the first half of the season. He was an MVP candidate, and then he hit a wall two years running. Remember, I did a show where there was an over 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 under prop play this year would Russell Wilson set the all time record for touchdown passes in a year? That wasn't in week one or two, guys. That was about mid season because Russell Wilson was just going crazy. And then what happened? Well, Russ runs out of steam at the end uh, once again. And you can say, well, maybe it's Russ just you know choking or failing, or or maybe he just got hit forty seven times, man. Maybe he got knocked down and sacked forty seven times now I will say this for his offensive line to give him a little a little uh, pop here Russ holds the ball a lot he holds the ball too long he definitely doesn't have a quick release he's a guy that's out there scrambling looking for the next downfield guy he's not necessarily a runner but he does he scrambles so maybe 47 wouldn't be 47 and it would be 35 it's still way too much so do I think that Russell Wilson is angry yeah I do Do I think Russell Wilson's leaving Seattle? Not not this year, but it's something to think about. I don't see Watson leaving Houston either. I just don't. Do I see J.J. Watt leaving Houston? Yeah, I think they're going to cut him if they don't trade him. And then we go back to Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz almost has to get out of Philly. I just wonder where he's going to go with the negotiations the way that they have progressed because they're ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. All right, guys. That's going to be our NFL talk. We're going to come on back. I have that Major League Baseball. I found something here, guys, I got to talk to you about because it is pretty massive when you're talking about Major League Baseball dropping a little news in early February so nobody pays attention to it. Well, us sports bettors, we are paying close attention. All that and more. And on the way back, by the way, David Dances is going to come back with a real good interview as well right after this on Wagering Week. I'm Gary Myers, the host of the podcast, the coach,
0: Tom Brady, and you're listening to Tom Barton on the Sports Garden Network. And now, back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way.
1: I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, I gave you some. Of the Super Bowls. I, I I know I know you guys want them all. I know you want them all. So here you go. Here's all the Super Bowl futures. Uh courtesy of Bet MGM. Chiefs, like I said, they're six to one. Packers come in second at nine to one. Bucks, they were twelve to one, down to ten to one. People are jumping on them after they won the Super Bowl. Mm, that's weird. Ravens are 12 to 1. Bills are 12 to 1. Rams are 12 to 1. They were 20 to 1 before Stafford. Now they're 12 to 1. 14 to 1, now down to 16-1 are the Niners. Saints, 18-1. Seahawks. They were 18 to 1. People don't like to hear bad news in the offseason. Now they're 22 to 1. Browns, 25 to 1. Cowboys, 25 to 1. Colts, Dolphins, Titans, 25 to 1. 30 to 1. Chargers, Patriots, Steelers. Cardinals are 40 to 1. Vikings are 40 to 1. Bears and Raiders, Eagles, Panthers are all 50 to 1. Falcons, Broncos, Giants, Washington, all 66 to 1. Bengals, Lions, Texans, Jets, 80 to 1. And the Jaguars, one to one that's kind of like just burn your money look i'll be honest with you if you think Trevor lawrence uh, walks on water like many of you guys do i kind of do too uh 100 to one eh, can he turn the <laughs> can he turn it around hey, how about 100 to one uh him and urban meyer right i mean come on 100 to one but let's be honest look well, where, where can you find the value? You're not taking a shot at that, even though it, it's tempting. You're not taking a shot at that at 100-1. to 1. It's not just not enough. Some people will talk about, well, Washington and the Giants. You know, look, if Washington got Deshaun Watson, 66-1 to 1 would look great. It would look great with that defense. That would look great. Giants, I don't think are quite there. Washington, if you believe—now, look, they signed Taylor Hankey, so maybe not. But if you believe that they were going to get a Deshaun Watson— Washington sixty six to one would be a that would be a nice payoff. Panthers they were sixty six to one now they're fifty to one. I'll say it again it's the same kind of thing. Deshaun Watson flips this needle so big. If the Panthers who've been rumored got Deshaun, they're fifty to one. Looks good. If they don't, it looks bad. Teddy Bridgewater's not winning the Super Bowl, guys. Bears, the same thing. Even with Carson Wentz, I don't love the Bears at 50 to 1, but it starts to become attractive at 50 to 1 if that can happen. We also don't know what's going to happen to Allen Robinson. You go down the list, the Steelers at 30 to 1 is a little surprising to people. Now, I was my biggest bet of the year. I told you, I had the Steelers the day after the Super Bowl last year. My biggest bet of the year that I gave to you guys, I said, absolutely unload. Uh, the biggest bet that you're going to make this year was plus 105 that the Steelers make the playoffs. So I love the Steelers. Not so hot on them anymore. Look, Juju's going to be out of there. I don't like their running game, in Connor. Uh, I, and Connor uh, and Big Ben. I'm just not sure what you're getting with Big Ben. So 30 to 1. I'm not touching it. Patriots are 30 to 1. Anybody believe that that big deal's coming down for New England? 30 to 1 is a little intriguing. Little intriguing. Chargers 30 to 1. Everyone's going to be on the Chargers 30 to 1. Here's what I'm going to say I, I don't know what to think about their new head coach. I like it. Look, I. I like their running back, and he's going to be 100% healthy this year, right? We know Eckler's going to be healthy. I like their quarterback. Obviously, we all do. I like their passing game. Their offensive line needs a little work, but I think they could be okay. I think the offense is fine. The defense can be phenomenal. Bosa was banged up a lot of the year. Derwin James is coming back. I think the Chargers are an absolute really, 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 really good playoff team. The thing is this. I don't think they're good enough to overtake the Chiefs in that division. Which means that the Chargers in a most likely uh regular year, right? I, I'm assuming that people are be be over this this stupid pandemic by then. So the Chargers are gonna have to go on the road for all three of their playoffs games because I don't think that they're gonna take over the Chiefs for first place at thirty to one odds to go on the road. I might sprinkle some on the Chargers, but I don't like it. I see it being overbet as well. Dolphins twenty-five to one, Titans twenty-five to one, Colts twenty-five to one, Cowboys twenty-five to one. Wow, twenty-five to one, all of them I can make an argument for. Now Tennessee has no defense; they have no pass rush. They were dead last in the league in sacks. So I'm going to kind of shy away from that one. The Dolphins—it's uh, do you believe in two? And most people don't right now. I think they can get by with that defense. I was hot on the Dolphins before last year. Just not sure what I exactly believe in tour right now. And I need to see their draft pick. Because, look, their draft pick is going to tell me a lot about who they are and what direction they're going. Are they talking about we're going to be competitive in two years and going to be a Super Bowl team in two years? Or are they saying we're going for it this year? I'm going to find a lot about it. But the Same thing with the Colts. I need to know the quarterback there. I like the defense. I like Jonathan Taylor. I like the offensive line. I like 25 to 1 in a division that I think is very winnable. Yeah, I like a lot about the Colts. I don't know who the quarterback is. Can't speculate on that. Cowboys 25 to 1. Dak coming back, a very winnable division. An NFC that's kind of wide open, but it's the Cowboys they the same Cowboys every year. Browns, 25 to 1, I didn't really even give a good look at. Seahawks, 22 to 1, I didn't give a good look at. Saints, 18 to 1, not with their situation. The Niners were a team I circled. I said, you know what? I'm going to get the Niners. I'm going to give them a shot at 25 to 1 or so. They're 16 to 1. I mean, where did the Niners get off being the seventh best team, being better? I, I don't like it. The same thing with the Rams. If you had the Rams at 20 to 1 before Stafford, well, congratulations. I think you got a decent ticket there. You got some value. 12 to 1, there's no value there. I still like the Bills, but at 12 to 1, not a lot of value. The Ravens at 12 to 1, they, they can't win a playoff game, so I don't like that. The Bucks, well, the Bucks might be better, but there's a lot of free agents out there. And at 10 to 1 odds, it's not good. The Packers are garbage. The 9 to 1 is terrible. And the Chiefs at 6 to 1. So. I'm going through this list, and every year after the—every year, the day after the Super Bowl, I always make a long-term futures play. I waited this year because there's too much quarterback just speculation out there of where these guys would go. I kidded around about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not going to just throw away money like that. I, I, I can't do it, okay? So I'm looking here, and I'm going, man, eh, the Chiefs, Packers, Bucks. there's not enough value for me. The Niners would have been the team I like, but eh, not quite enough value there. Uh, I'm not a Browns guy. I think the Cowboys are still the Cowboys. The Colts would have been a good one. Oh, the Colts, but I don't know who the quarterback is. The Dolphins would have been fun, but the Dolphins, I'm not sure about their quarterback. Uh, I can't go with a team with no defense. So I'm looking, and I'm going, okay, who's the team that I would, I, I guess I could say has a long shot. Throw kind of a hundred bucks on it and hope for the best. It'd be the Redskins, or not the Redskins, the Washington football team. That would be the only team I would take a stab at today. I will very closely monitor the Chargers situation, which I think could be very good. A rookie quarterback, a rookie head coach winning the Super Bowl is weird, though. I will very closely monitor the Colts situation, because I think that that might be the team. But again, you still got to get through Patrick Mahomes. And you got to get through Josh Allen. you got to get through a rejuvenated Lamar Jackson. And then you go to the Cowboys. If the Cowboys do things the right way, the NFC is kind of wide open. And just some food for thought there. As we kind of turn the page on the NFL, I wanted to throw some of that out there. Again, this is kind of the after the NFL show, so we'll do a little bit more, but I wanted to throw that out there. All right, let's talk about this Major League Baseball thing that I, that I have here. And Major League Baseball dropped a little information on us, right? They dropped a little nugget of information on us here. And they tried to sneak it in as if it wasn't a big deal, but it was a big deal. Ken Rosenthal uh, was talking about this. I know the AP Press was talking about this as well. It got some some publication, but not nearly enough of what I believe that it should have. And that is Major League Baseball has decided to deaden the ball. They've, they've said, look, we're going to deaden the ball. Now, scientists and people that are a lot smarter than me have determined that this should decrease home runs anywhere from 3 to 5% this year. Well, we know 2019 was a historic year for home runs. 2019 set the record. The Minnesota Twins and New York Yankees head-to-head. They were one home run apart for the most home runs all time. And if you go through the last 10, the most 10 seasons of best home runs, eight of them since 2018. Okay. Top five for since 2018. I mean, teams that shouldn't even be a blip on the radar are there. Now, ballparks are smaller. I get it. You're right. Bullpens are worse. You're absolutely right. Starters don't go deep into games. You get into guys that are triple-A pitchers that are in major leagues. Sure, guys are bigger. Guys are stronger. Uh, without steroids, they have launch angle. They have all this. All of this, sure. But now deadening the ball, this is something that people are not going to realize. Look. One of the reasons that I've argued for a decade here why people can make money on Major League Baseball is because the public does not adjust. In the NFL, if a team plays poorly on a Sunday, the next week people overreact. Oh, that team's garbage is terrible. Oh, that's terrible. Everybody, we got we to bet against them, right? I mean, that is just the, the nature of the business. This is what we're looking at. That is the nature of the NFL. In Major League Baseball, a team could struggle a pitcher could struggle three four five starts before people start to readjust how long do you think they're going to readjust to realizing that the total is a little overshot that the total that was routinely when we were growing up i mean even even five years ago the the total was seven and a half or eight last couple of years it's been eight and a half or nine how long until people realize that that ball isn't flying out of the ballpark that quickly And who's to benefit the most? Well, going through a lot of these guys, a guy like Tyler Glasnow led the league in home runs allowed. A guy like Chris Paddock led the league in home runs allowed. Both of those guys are on the cusp of maybe being an ace. Take away some of those home runs, they become an ace. But the guy I think benefits the most is a guy that is plus 350 to win the ASI Young, and that is Garrett Cole. I think Garrett Cole has a phenomenal, phenomenal season. I thought Garrett Cole would have a phenomenal season before this. Not only because he is on the New York Yankees, but there's a lot of factors here. First of all, Garrett Cole had a home run problem last year. He allowed a home run, 12 home runs early on, and just never kind of recovered. The long ball. He could say it's Yankee Stadium, sure. Uh, but Garrett is a professional. Garrett is a multiple-time, just dominant pitcher, a Cy Young winner, right? We know Garrett Cole took the offseason and said, I'm going to stop these home runs. You've heard him give interviews where he said, you're going to watch me stop the home runs. The home runs have gotten to me and it's just going to end. So you have one of the best pitchers of our generation making a concentrated effort to keep the ball in the ballpark. And you have Major League Baseball saying, you know what, we're going to make a concentrated effort to keep the ball in the ballpark. And now you have a plus 350 number out there. Who's his biggest competition? Well, just for for fun's sake, let's talk about some of the competition that he has for AL Cy Young. Well... Shane Bieber is obviously one, sure, okay? Shane Bieber um, is going to be on a tanking team that just lost their star defensive shortstop in Francisco Lindor, and he's coming off a year that you just cannot repeat. Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito is a very, very good pitcher. I've never looked at him as elite Cy Young kind of stuff. And the guy number fourth is Tyler Glasnow, who led the league in home runs. (laughs) And he's he's going to be on a Tampa Bay team that is going to take a step back this year. Derek Cole at plus 350 is actually a value pick. Actually a value pick. Uh, For you fantasy guys out there as well, keep this all in mind as well, because when you turn around and you're talking about um, value plays and who else, stolen bases are going to be at a premium this year because everyone's hitting home runs, and even the home runs will come back a little bit. It's something to think about. All right. We are going to talk to David Dantus in, in a couple of minutes here, but I want to go over just a few news and notes, right? Well, we're past the NFL season. People start listening to the show going, well, you know what? I don't really bet anything else. Well, why not? Because you can make more money betting these things. So let's talk about college basketball real quick. And this is my, my soapbox moment that you'll probably hear me say every year. March Madness starts in March. I'm not sure why this is a difficult conversation. Everyone mm-hmm. talks about March Madness, and they, they're they talking about the brackets. No, March Madness starts with the college basketball conference championships and the leading up into conference championships. If you really want to get into it, March Madness has already started. Once you get into conference play, that's kind of the madness, and that's where we're in now. So I wanted to point out one conference and just kind of give you a little overview here, and that's the ACC. I lived in Raleigh. I lived in Cary. I lived in that area for years. I was right in the middle of North Carolina State, North Carolina, and Duke. It's right there, right? Stone's throw away from Wake Forest. I used to go to Florida State games because of the Alumni Association. I, I, I know the ACC. We've been up to Boston College games. I went to school in Boston. I know the ACC. And every year, when I look at the my handicapping at the end of the season, I do a division and a conference and everything else in sport. The ACC is one of my biggest producers. So I think I have my finger on the ACC. This is the weakest I've ever seen the ACC. It... it, it goes without saying that the ACC, year in and year out, I always have going to the Final Four. I always have going into a championship game because they're going to go through a gauntlet schedule. And I think the gauntlet schedule is a good thing for teams. I think the gauntlet of going every single day and facing an elite competition and elite athletes— When you get into the tournament, that helps you. And I've thought about that for 20-plus years in sports betting. I've always ridden the ACC teams. used to be the Big East teams as well. I've always ridden these conferences to go up against big-time teams. This is not the ACC that you think of. Now, I liked Virginia before the year, and I told people, uh, look, I picked Gonzaga, but I told people I thought Virginia was going to go to the Final Four, maybe even the Final Two. This is not a knock on Virginia, but the ACC is down. Boston College is garbage at one and seven. Wake Forest is a disaster at two and eight. Miami Hurricanes three and ten dumpster fire. NC Wolfpack four and seven. Notre Dame's five and seven. They're all garbage. Here's one. Duke's five and six. Yeah, not really a gauntlet when you have to go up against Duke, right? Not really a gauntlet then. Syracuse five and five. Don't believe in them. And Syracuse's once vaunted defense, all of a sudden. They're an offensive team? I don't know about that. Pittsburgh? Yeah, Pitt might get into the tournament. Same thing with Syracuse. Are they doing anything there? Absolutely not. And you're not going through that tough schedule when you're facing Pitt or Syracuse. Clemson? Clemson's had a couple of nice games, right? I mean, in conference, they're, they're only 6-5, but they're 12-5 and overall. You could turn around and tell me that, that Clemson's a decent team this year. Decent doesn't really cut it in the ACC. Georgia Tech? Nine and six overall. Yeah, I mean, they play well at home sometimes. Again, not a team I'm really looking at. So now you go to the top five. Only three of them are ranked. That's ridiculous. Only three ACTC teams are ranked. And North Carolina Tar 12 and six. They're seven and four in conference. Probably better than what we're giving them credit for. But then again, their name recognition, you could probably make some money betting against them because they're always going to be a little overrated. As far as the tournament goes, are they a threat? When we're talking about threat, I mean, are they a threat? Absolutely not. North Carolina's not going anywhere this year. You think North Carolina's going to the Elite Eight? Going to Sweet 16? No louisville a team that's taken a step back this year uh 11 and 4 now they're good at home at 8 and 1 can't win on the road that's not good for the tournament right uh they're again another team not ranked i don't think they should be ranked name recognition will get them far Uh, they'll get them into the tournament maybe win a first round game they're not a threat let's go to a team that is ranked number 18 overall virginia tech v tech 14 and 4 impressive 8 and 3 in the acc how impressive is that now how impressive is 8-3 in the ACC now. Anybody really believe in Virginia Tech and the odds that Virginia Tech could be a Sweet 16 team, a Lead 8 team? No. Again, another ACC team, guys, that they're living on the reputation of the ACC, and they're not really holding up their end of the bargain. Florida State coming in at 17. Same sort of situation, and they play Virginia on Monday, by the way, in what should be a very good game. We'll find out a lot about Florida State. Uh, this Monday because they're playing Virginia in Florida State. Florida State traditionally plays really well there, but Florida State for years just cannot score on this Virginia defense. So Florida State's at 17. They're 10-3 and three overall. Now they had some time off here because of the pandemic and whatnot, so you could give them a little bit of leeway. But again, I was in Florida State last year. I think FSU had a good shot to to make some noise last year. Well, I'm not on them this year. This year is not that kind of team. So with all that being said, we're in an ACC where going into the tournament, I'm usually arguing that like eight teams from the ACC should be into the tournament, where four or five teams could legitimately get into the Sweet 16. I'm usually arguing two teams in the Elite Eight, maybe two teams in the Final Four from the ACC. Guys, it's not there this year. There's only Virginia, only 13-3 Virginia, only Virginia is 9-1 in conference, Only Virginia that has any kind of opportunity here to win anything big in the tournament. And Here's what I'm going to say about Virginia. Before the year, I liked them. Before the year, I was on top of them. Their defense is still very good. We know that. Their coaching is phenomenal. We know that. I don't know who this team is, though, because they didn't go through the gauntlet. They didn't have to take on the Duke the North Carolina of old, the Louisvilles. They didn't have to go week in, week out, night in and night out and take on the upper echelon ACC roll call staff. They didn't have to do that. No. Virginia actually is playing in an ACC that is a weaker conference this year. The ACC is not what they once were. So when I look at Virginia, I'm not sure who they are. I know that they have a good defense. I know they're very well coached. But I don't know if they're among those teams. And when I say those teams, they're clearly not Baylor and Gonzaga. That's one, two, sure. I think that three spots open. Is Virginia potentially in that three spot? Maybe, but I don't know because of this ACC. It's very possible that by the time when we talk next week, Fee Tech and Florida State drop out of the top 25 and the ACC has one top 25 team. It's very possible. Very possible. Or Florida State could beat Virginia. VTech v- could have a good week, and he could have three teams inside the top fifty. Maybe Louisville or North Carolina jumps into the top 25. That's possible as well. But right now, I wanted to talk about the ACC because it's a tra- traditionally a mega, mega, mega conference. And one of the reasons why I like them deep into March is because... Of the conference, because of the schedule, because of who they face day in, day out, constantly. The barrage, I think that barrage prepares you for March Madness. Now, I'm not telling you that Virginia can't move on in March Madness and do some things, but they're taking a different path this year. That is something to pay attention for the future. And this is now Bet to the Future.
2: We're sending you back to the
1: future. Okay, all right. Bet, Bet to, back the to the Future bet to the future well let's talk a little NBA and the MVP odds they are a moving so let's talk about this is coming from points bet LeBron James plus 250. That's where he's sitting at number one overall to win the MVP. Joel M. Beach sneaks right into number two at four to one odds. His odds have been jumping up ever since the Philadelphia 76ers have figured out how to use him. Jokic, the Joker, five to one. His team isn't playing well, but man, Jokic is dominating. Kevin Durant, eight to one. He was 10 to one before the year, so not much of a move, but he's number four on the list. Luka, nine to one. Another team not doing so well, but Luka at nine to one. Greek freak all the way down to Twelve to one people not buying into Greek freak and Milwaukee. I'm telling you right now, guys, this is a time to maybe buy there. How about Curry? Sixteen to one. Curry looks great, but what are the Warriors going to be? Lillard, twenty-five to one. It looks like Dame could always win this thing. Leonard, thirty-three to one, and Davis at forty to one. That is the NBA MVP odds, and that is bet to the future. Uh, you know, guys, we always have David Tances on. But now, it's a new David Dances. It's David, who now has a new title. He is the lead writer from PlayNJ.com, and you go see NJGamblingSites.com.
2: David, how you been? I'm living the dream, Tom. How you doing, buddy? It's good to talk to you. Good to hear from you.
1: Yeah, it's been a little while. It's been a little while, but I I love to get you on and just get the pulse of Atlantic City and New Jersey and see uh, what all that is going on and, and all that's about. So... Look, the Super Bowl, we're sitting back, we're looking at the Super Bowl, and uh, last year it was one of those weird anomalies. Vegas lost, New Jersey generally won, uh, or you could say it the other way around, right? Vegas won, New Jersey lost, because the casinos in New Jersey actually had a small loss last year. New, New Jersey uh, betters did really well. And I was asked a couple of yep. times about that, and why do I think it, and it could be better odds, could it be uh, newer casinos, newer sports books, it could be better more informed people, whatever it might be, I could not wait to get you on the phone. How did they do this year?
2: So this year uh, we, we got some interesting numbers just released um, earlier this week, uh, actually the day after the Super Bowl. so the handle for this year's Super Bowl was uh, one hundred and seventeen million dollars, uh, which is better than double last year's total um, and better than four times the first year of legalized sports betting in New Jersey's total. So those numbers keep going up. Uh, as you mentioned the first two years uh, the sports books took a loss actually on the Super Bowl. This year they did not. Uh, they they had about a 10% hold uh, percentage which um, you know in the bigger scheme of things is good. It's not great. Um, you know, Vegas has had some years where, you know, they've been in, in the, the high teens, uh, sometimes even touching 20 percent hold. So, you know, uh, Jersey sports books are moving in the right direction. Um, one of the things that you and I have, have talked about quite frequently and really stood out to me because I, I made the extra call this morning and I really just wanted to know uh, how much of that handle was online sports bets. And I'm going to put you on the spot, Tom. What What do you think that number was of 117 million? How much do you think was online?
1: Oh man, I, I think it's a, I think it's a tremendous amount. Let's see. This is always my favorite part with, to to do with you. I'm gonna say 117 million. I'm gonna say 75 to 80. It's 75 oh, to 80.
2: Oh, oh so off. So oh off. boy. 99.8 oh. <laughs> million dollars online and mobile. Oh wow. So we're so talking about 90 percent. There is no more confusion about where New Jersey sports betting market is. It lives online.
1: It it lives online, and it lives online by a lot of New Yorkers, I believe. Now, I remember when we started to do this years ago, and we were talking about, you know, within 10 miles of Philadelphia New York, but now Pennsylvania has it. (laughs) So you'd think that New New Jersey might take a hit here, and Atlantic City would take a hit with the mobile, but no, it's gone up because I think a lot of New Yorkers
2: are kind of crossing over and pounding in their mobile phone, right? Yeah. And, you know, these numbers are a little tough to to really nail down and and give anybody a precise figure because the operators themselves view it as proprietary information, right? So they're not going to exactly tell us uh, how many of their mobile users are are crossing the borders and and betting in New Jersey. But we have talked to the two two of the larger providers in the state, which is FanDuel and DraftKings. And, you know, just as sort of a, a, a professional courtesy, they've given us an estimate number and it's between the 20 to 25 percent range of all of their action is coming from new york state residents i'm not buying that I
1: think, it's got, right. I think it's up well over 50%. If anybody takes the PATH train, you got to believe that it's up over 50%. Uh, we are on the phone with David Danzis and his new gig, PlayNJ.com. Uh, David, what about the full year? I know that was the Super Bowl. What about the full year? How did the year look at? Okay, I know it's a pandemic. I get it. Uh, but, look, that that shouldn't stop some people on mobile.
2: No. So, uh, so Jersey actually set the all-time uh, U.S. record in terms of annual handle in 2020. Uh, about $6.1 billion was bet uh, through New Jersey regulated sports books in 2020. Of that, uh, a little more than 5.4 billion was online. So roughly 92%. Again, there's there's absolutely no question as we close out 2021 and start 20, or excuse me, close out 2020 and start 2021 uh, where the bulk of New Jersey sports bettors are, are putting their play. And it's, it's absolutely online.
1: You know, it's funny because I've done radio in Las Vegas for uh, almost uh, 12 years now, and when New Jersey got sports betting, I was on with you, and we talked about it, and I said, I do believe that New Jersey has a chance to overtake Las Vegas. Maybe not fully, but month here, month there. They're going to be a a direct Mm -hmm. competition. And I was mocked, fully mocked on the radio and newspapers out there. Oh, Oh, boy. Now we're looking back, and you're going, no, New Jersey is it, man, for sports betting. Maybe not the casino business, but for sports betting they are a legitimate threat to las vegas
2: i i want to go on the record and i want to ask gary and whoever's in the producer's office to check the tapes because i'm pretty sure i was on the same same page with you there tom oh you are I no you're 100 you
1: are yes you, you were there <laughs> all right all right they I just, they just didn't mock you the like they mocked me, me. I'm sure <laughs> I <was. laughs> so so david let, let me ask you i know uh you know the the super bowl it, it's Obviously, everyone's looking at Kansas City, and the money came in there, and the over, and the money came in there. Mm-hmm. And, and sure, that's the obvious, right? I mean, that that's the big—well, uh, you know, Kansas City lost. That's why everybody did bad. But the prop plays— are something that online they're so much more alluring rather than sit there with the 40 pieces of paper and circle things and go over. I've so I went to the Meadowlands here, I saw so many people on their phone looking at the prop plays and going back and forth and bouncing off the prop plays. Did the prop plays really boost this up, or was it a lot of people that just like Kansas
2: City in the over? No, it, it was absolutely props, Tom. And, and I'll give you two, two things that, that really back this up one. Um, you know, on Super Bowl Sunday, I, I did my little tour like I do every year. And I jumped around from book to book here in Atlantic City. And my first stop was actually at Golden Nugget. And if you've ever been to the Nugget Sportsbook, it's not big. It's not fancy. Right. But I mean, it's it, it personally, I love it. Um, I, I just think it has a cool vibe. But long story short, I, I talked to the sportsbook manager, Rick Meyer. And and Rick even told me, he said, all day today, Dave, all we've been doing is taking prop bets. Player props on who's going to score the first touchdown. You know how many receiving yards Tyree Kill is going to have. Um, you know how many uh, how many yards is Brady going to throw for? How many is Mahomes going to throw for? Those were the popular bets even at the window. But then my second stop, I, I went over to what is now the book inside of Caesars uh, in, in the back of Wild Wild West. Uh, used to be Bally's, now it's Caesars. Um, I was there, and the first touchdown that Brady threw to Gronk. You know, the crowd went wild. There was a lot of Bucks backers in, in the crowd there at Caesars. But the guy standing right next to me started screaming. And I looked at him and I said, hey, man, you know, what, what, what did you hit? What did you hit? He's like, I had Gronk to score the first touchdown. I just won 22 grand. And I'm sitting here <laughs> saying to myself, holy crap. Like, we've gotten to the point now where people are betting, you know, four or five figures on prop bets. And there really is a, a bulk of money coming in, especially day of that was prop bets. So, uh, you know, to, to answer your question, the, the, the short answer is yes, it, it, it was absolutely prop bets uh, day of there was a lot of money coming in on Tampa Bay money line. So leading up to it, you know, a lot of people were taking the, the three points with Kansas city and that they definitely took the 56 or 56 and a half on the over, depending on which book you had. Uh, But day of, apparently a lot of people had a change of heart or or were just waiting until that last minute to get their money in. And a lot of the money went to to the bucks straight up. You know, a lot of people left happy. I think that 11 million bucks that the sports books uh, won on Super Bowl Sunday would have been a lot higher um, had it gone the other way, so yeah um, I think so <laughs> we're on the phone David I know, of the year, right? right
1: lead writer of PlayNJ.com. and um, I know you like to do the boardwalk the walk right uh, in Vegas it's down the strip you'd like to do the boardwalk mm-hmm. walk uh pandemic year tell me the feel how yep. what was the feel in the casinos and how how was it because I went to the Meadowlands the night before and it, you wouldn't have known. Everybody was pumped up. Everyone's ready. Everyone's excited. The, the lines around the corner to make the bets.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna shamelessly plug an article that we have up right now on playnj.com. Um, you know, it's kind of my recap of my my uh, sportsbook tour on Sunday night. And you know, there's some great tales that that happened that night. I mean, the energy was definitely there. Um, all of the books that I went to, I went to four of the of the nine. Um, all of them were booked to capacity, right? I mean, obviously here in New Jersey where the state government has has put a capacity limit on the sports books and the casinos, you know, so they were adhering to that. Um, you know, obviously that, that makes things a little bit different, but not really a whole lot. You know, you couldn't tell that people had been cramped up for the last 11, 12, 13 months, whatever it's been. I mean, it looked like business as usual, just a little less space. <laughs> um, you know, I'm thinking spe- specifically of that, the book and Caesars. Usually there's about 200 seats in there. Uh, of those real comfy recliners right in front of the big screens. Uh, there's probably about 50, right? So, you know, not as many, they're all spaced out in groups of two, but still a lot of, a lot of energy, a lot of life in those sports books on Sunday night. It was good to see, um, you know, TROP was standing room only. There were people standing around the perimeter. Um, even at even at resorts, you know, I got down there in the second half and the game was a blowout, but the DraftKings sports book was filled, you know, there's people sitting at high tops around the book and it was just it was a really good atmosphere. It was good to see for Atlantic City. You know, the news has been so negative coming out of Atlantic City for the last year with people losing their jobs and uh, you know, the casinos really struggling. So seeing that that level of energy and enthusiasm and excitement on Super Bowl Sunday was encouraging. Uh, Not just for somebody who writes about the city, but somebody who loves the city, too.
1: Yeah, that is good stuff. I'm very glad to hear that report. And I did. I teed you up a little bit because I know it was coming out. So tell me about the new gig, PlayNJ.com. You've been with us for a couple of years, but this is a new gig. I love the new title, Lead Writer. Tell us about it.
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, for those of you who don't know me, you know, I've been with the press of Atlantic City for the last three years. And uh, I, I was wearing two hats at the press. I was both writing about Atlantic City government and politics while also doing casinos and gaming. And you know, it was kind of like choosing between two children, which was my favorite because I love them both. But I really love writing about the casinos, and I love the gaming side. And um, you know, obviously, sports betting has me hook, line, and sinker. So you know, the good the good folks over at Play NJ made me an offer I couldn't refuse, and uh, I started over here uh, just before the holidays. And uh, I really couldn't be happier. You know, I'm really spending all of my time and my energy and my focus writing about something. Uh, that really interests me now, and and uh, you know that makes all the difference in the world professionally. So I'm happy. I'm stoked to be here. Um, you know, I'd love to get some of your listeners to follow me over to Play NJ because I'm still doing the same stuff there that I was doing at the press, um, with a little bit more of my voice in there. You know, you get to hear a little more of my opinions and my thoughts and things that I see in the industry and and what's happening. And uh, I have a little bit more of a artistic creativity, a little bit more leeway there, if you will. So. Um, I'm really happy. I'm stoked to be here. I appreciate you having me on and plugging the new site. Um, but yeah, please go check out PlayNJ.com, NJGamblingSites.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, uh, AC underscore
1: Alright, that is David Danzas. David, we will talk to you. I want to talk to you before March Madness, and and I might be standing next to you during March of Madness. I think I'm coming down. So, David Danzas. I hope so, man. I'd love to see you. Yeah, we got to grab a beer and watch the games and, and scream and shout and win some money. <laughs> Guys, that is David like Danzas, lead writer, playnj.com. Uh I love to hear that, man. I really do. I love to hear that Atlantic City was, was rocking and rolling. We went to the Meadowlands. Me and my wife decided, let's take the drive to the Meadowlands. I didn't want to just do the online. I wanted to go to the Meadowlands and see the feel the night before. People were pumped up People were really ready to go It was exciting And it is a good time I don't care what you think About the pandemic And social distancing And wear seven masks It's good for the city And it is good to see people Really pumping money back Into the city That desperately needs it All right, everybody So that's it I mean look The Super Bowl is over That doesn't mean It's time to just stop Making money As a matter of fact The NFL players are one of the hardest times to make money. The Super Bowl is one of the hardest games to actually make money on, even though if you listen to me, you nailed all those prop plays and we hit the game itself and the under. So we are still going to continue to make money. I gave you a little bit about college basketball, NHL, NBA's ramping up, Major League Baseball. We already found a hidden gem. Make sure you guys continue to listen. Thank you very much to David Dances. I'm Tom Bart for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.